be a boss because I have leadership skills. I'm a big giant. My fire. Cuts. For troops of backward campers and backward campers. Brains. I love animals and they're so adorable and cute and I think it'll be fun to have a job like that. A nurse like my mom and my grandma. Be a police. I want to be a missionary because I could preach God's word around the earth. I want to build like a shelter so people can just come there and stay as long as they want. Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you at all of our locations, but especially our moms on this Mother's Day weekend. We want to celebrate you. Your love and investment in us has made a huge impact. Whether that started in the womb or started at adoption or started in a mentoring conversation because you're a spiritual mom, we are grateful for your investment and impact in our lives. You have sought to give more than you take, and you have wanted more for us than from us, and we're truly grateful. So today we celebrate you, we say we love you, and we pray that you have a great day. In fact, my prayer for you is that you have a day filled with the sense of God's love in your life, the joy among your family as you fellowship and interact with your loved ones. Just pray that you have a wonderful day on this Mother's Day weekend. Now, I realize, though, that some of us here have no longer have our moms, and there are some who have struggled to become a mom, and there are even some who have lost children. And therefore, this weekend is marked by an element of sadness. I want you to know something. That the Lord, God, He is Elroy, the God who sees. And He sees your sadness, and He sees your grief. And it is my prayer that you would experience the fullness of His love this weekend as you sit in His presence and as you worship among His people. In fact, as we all gather as the church, it is my prayer that we would encounter and experience Him in a new way this weekend, regardless of where we're at in stage of life and relationships that we have and the people around us. See, this isn't just Mother's Day. This is actually week two of our Live in the Dream series, where we've been looking at how we live life to the full, how, how people who no longer live for themselves actually live. And we had a chance to hear from some of the, the littlest ones of our church family when they answered the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that's a fairly common question. It's a question we've all at some point or another tried to answer. And maybe that was fun for you. Maybe that was stressful for you. But the reality is that question is not limited to age. It's a question we can wrestle with our entire lives. It's not just a question for children. And, and it's something about that question that actually resonates within us our entire lives. And it's not just the idea that, that there's some inspirational aspect to a dream of something we can achieve. It's actually because that question connects with something much deeper within us. And it connects to who we are and what we do. It's the reality of asking that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, for me... When I was a kid, there were a couple of things I wanted to be. And I shared with you last week that a marine biologist was one of them. But that wasn't the only thing I wanted to be. In fact, the other thing I wanted to be was something that some people called a chipper. And it's 
Not this kind of chipper, although this is incredibly delicious. It's actually this kind of chipper. Yes, I wanted to be a California highway patrolman. And I was so convinced and determined to be so that I decided I was going to enforce traffic regulations on my road where we lived from my bicycle at the age of 10. Now, nobody ever stopped for my traffic stops except my parents. But they're awesome like that. In fact, my mom was so awesome. She was the one who helped me make a uniform. We took khaki pants and sewed blue and white stripes down the sides. And we sewed patches onto the sleeves that I had received from my cousin who lived in California, authentic CHP patches. And I got to tell you, I looked the part. I was the real deal. And I have a picture I actually want to show you. Check this out. Here it is. That is me at the age of 10, living the dream, baby. That's the real deal right there. Real deal. I mean, I even got the pose going on. You see that pose? Yeah, that's awesome. And in case you're having trouble seeing how realistic and real this was, let me just do a side-by-side -side comparison for you. See this? There's like, there's no difference at all. Look, that was me as a kid, but what about you? What did you want to be when you grew up? What do you want to be? In fact, just turn to somebody next to you at all of our locations. Just tell them what you wanted to be when you grew up. Go ahead and just turn to them. Tell them real quick. What did you want to be? What do you want to be? All right. Good. Listen. I'm glad we're still able to identify those things, but you know, there's something unique about how a child answers that question. When they share their dreams and aspirations, they're, they're usually marked by optimism, innocence, grandiose plans, because they're not yet overshadowed or marked by the complexities and challenges of life. But it seems like the, the longer we go in life, the older we get, the harder it is to dream like that. Yet we still ask ourselves the question, what do you want to be? Now it was C.S. Lewis who has a great line. He once said this, so you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. He's right, we're not. We're not too old. We're not too young. As long as we are still here, as long as we have life, God still has more for us to do. In our mistakes and our failures and the setbacks and the challenges of life, they do not have to define us. We can let Him define who we are and what we do. And that's the beginning of living a full life, living life to the full. In fact, it was last week as we kicked off this series that we unpacked three specific concepts that position us to understand how and, and to understand how we can step into a full life. And those realities are simply who, uh, the what, and the why. And what we end up having are essentially three layers or three levels of understanding that position us to live life to the full. It's, it's our identity, it's his plan and our purpose. But it all starts up here with who. And we know that 
that we are loved by a God who is love. And so because we are loved, we can love him in return. And that, that relationship happens when you and I surrender to Jesus Christ, the one who died on a bloody cross but then emptied a tomb. And when we accept and surrender to him as Lord and Savior, well, then we find forgiveness for the junk in our life, and we receive the gift of eternal life, and we begin to walk with God. And that's just crazy cool that we get to walk with God in relationship with him through his son Jesus. And so as we walk with him, we live loved, but we also live linked in relationship with him and in relationship with other people. But then we also live sent. Because we're not just saved to be saved, we're saved to be sent. And that then translates to the reality that our identity in him positions us back around to the concept of what we do. And so this would be the things that, that we pursue and invest in, the, the things that we value and the things we prioritize. And what we end up seeing here is that who we are and what we do is highly interconnected to this middle section. It's, it's connected to his purpose and plan and his priority. Because when you and I say, okay, Jesus, I ask you to be my savior, we're also asking him and positioning him in our life to be our Lord, where we give him authority and access. It's not just what he saves us from, it's what he positions us to live into. And so he gets to decide how we live and what we do. He determines who we are, but also what we do. So we're not just saved to be saved, we're saved to be sent. And the life we live, we live for him. And it's not enough that our hearts are different. Our cities and our neighborhoods and our families and our workplaces and our schools should be as well. But when we don't have a clear understanding of these realities and how they connect, when we separate the who and what from the why of God, well, now we create a gap. And we struggle to understand our value and our purpose and the meaning of why we exist. And when there's a gap in life, we tend to fill that gap with assumptions. And when we fill gaps, we end up with wrong conclusions. And you know what? We're a people who will readily fill gaps and draw conclusions. Not that much unlike the folks in this commercial. Check this out. Oh. Look at the cute dog. <laughs> we judge too quickly, people, and we can draw the wrong conclusions. And we can do that in many areas of life, but we can also do that here, between who we are and what we do. That we can fill the gap and draw the wrong conclusions. And that positions us in a very difficult place because this is where we know our purpose and our priority and his plan. It's, it's actually where we begin to understand and live in what Jesus called the kingdom. It's his kingdom. Because when you and I receive Jesus as Savior and position him with access and authority in our life as Lord, we enter into that kingdom. We become part of that kingdom. But then it's not just to be part of that kingdom, we're positioned to help facilitate the building of that kingdom. And when we don't have this middle part, when we have the gap, we fill it and we draw the wrong conclusions and we live lesser lives. 
Really, the challenge is understanding that middle section. That's typically the biggest challenge for many of us, to understand the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. Because it's, it's not really what most of us think it is. It's very different. And because we don't understand it, we fill the gaps, we draw the wrong conclusions, and, and that leads us to live lesser lives. And, there, and history is full of people who filled that gap, who, who lived the wrong dream, who chased the wrong dream, set the wrong goals, even in the name of God. Because they filled the gap, they drew that wrong conclusion, and they misunderstood the kingdom. And the Live in the Dream series is designed to, to help us understand clearly what the kingdom is and how that influences who we are and what we do. So we don't ever have to wonder what we're supposed to do, who we're supposed to be. It's one of the reasons why we're asking this question in this series, whose dream are you living? Is it yours? Is it the world's? Is it God's? Whose dream are you living? That's the first fill-in if you're following along in your sermon note guide. And it was the missionary and church planter who, who was Paul, who was actually someone who early on made the mistake of drawing the wrong conclusion about the kingdom. He, he would later go on to be a very powerful leader and facilitator of advancing God's kingdom. But at first, at first, he actively punished and, and imprisoned and facilitated the deaths of Christians in opposition of God's kingdom. But he thought he was doing it on behalf of God's kingdom. But then Jesus interrupted his life and explained to him who he was, what he's supposed to do in light of what the kingdom actually was. And that changed everything for Paul. In fact, he would go on to write much of the New Testament, including these words out of Philippians. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a radical shift from where Paul had been. He, he's saying, look, who I am and what I do is defined by Jesus. And when you and I, when we accept the Lord as Savior and Lord, we give Him access and authority to, to interrupt our life at any time. We give Him permission to interrupt our life. Which is really easy when He's asking us to do something we want to do or to go somewhere we want to go. It's a much different scenario when He's asking us to do something we would rather not or to go somewhere we'd rather not. But in those moments, that's where true Lordship is revealed. Where who is in charge? Who's determining what we do? And Paul had worked through this process enough that he was able to say those words, but also to go on in Galatians and write these words. Where he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I, live in the, I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What Paul is doing here is speaking about authority and access. He's revealing that lordship peace that determines what we do and how we live. And too many of us, with the gap, without understanding, we live lesser lives. Yet God has created us for more. In fact, we have dreams and aspirations because of how we're wired from the start. But we weren't just created to dream. We, we weren't created just to have dreams, but to ultimately live. It's not just to have ideas and aspirations, but to live life to the full. And, and we have this innate desire for more than what we see in this world because we're created for being part of something much bigger than ourselves. We were created for fellowship with the divine, created to have relationship with God, to walk with God, to have conversation with Him. We weren't just created to dream, but to live. 
And knowing and understanding the, the realities of who we are and what we do in the context of why and his kingdom is a huge part of actually living life to the full. Let me ask you this question. Who's ever heard of the term YOLO? Raise your hand if you've heard of the term YOLO. Keep it high. Keep it high. You know what? Okay, keep your high hand up if you know what YOLO means. Okay, good. Now, what does it mean? Shout it out. You only live once. Yeah, it's an acronym. YOLO is an acronym for you only live once. And it's the idea that we only have one shot, one life to live, so live it. And that there's greatness in the achievements that we can uh, reach in that life. It's similar to carpe diem, seize the moment. And it's not all that bad. It can motivate, it can inspire us some. But listen, it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. We're not limited to one life. We actually can live more than once. You know, each of us, we start with a life, but we can receive the gift of another. We can be born again. We can start over. And that new life is available in Jesus. And Jesus once discussed this concept with a man named Nicodemus. And if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, at the beginning of this chapter, Nicodemus, who's actually a member of a group that kind of was in opposition to Jesus, the Jewish ruling council, goes to Jesus to interact with him. And he goes at night so he doesn't have to explain why he's talking with Jesus. But when Nicodemus shows up and interacts with Jesus, he says, look, we know that you're a teacher from God because we can't explain any other way what you're doing. We can't identify who you are apart from God's presence based on what you're doing. And in that interaction, Jesus responds with verse 3 like this. He says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now let me just hold right there. This is huge. This is profound information we've got to get. He's saying, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So here's the deal. We can't just go around thinking we can do stuff in order to become something. We can't think we can do compassionate things or humanitarian things and think we're going to see the kingdom, experience the kingdom, and become all that we're supposed to be. It doesn't work that way. No one will see the kingdom unless they are born again. It is through new life in Jesus, his lordship, that we enter the kingdom. We can experience and see it and then in turn help facilitate and live out that kingdom in this life. It doesn't work the other way. Now, here's the deal. Nicodemus didn't quite understand what Jesus was saying. He didn't get it. And he goes on to say this. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. That's what makes this a Mother's Day passage. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Then Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Look, Jesus is not really talking about a literal rebirth as far as physical rebirth. He's talking about a spiritual one. He's talking about how we can be born again spiritually, how we can experience the hope and the joy and the power of the kingdom of God as we are born of spirit. So here's the thing. It's not YOLO. It's not you only live once. It's YOLT. You only live twice. We only live twice, and once is forever. Once is forever. Because here's the thing, look, 
we are physical beings, but we are also spiritual beings. In this physical life, we have a limited amount of time. And this is where we experience the difficulties of life. This is where we relate with people. But we have a physical life and a spiritual life. And it doesn't matter how many times you have failed here. It doesn't matter how many things you have messed up here. God still desires relationship with you. And he can give you new life. You can have a new birth where you're spiritually made alive, where you live loved and linked and sent. But at the same time, he, steps you, he leads you to step into his kingdom where you then engage in facilitating his kingdom by what you do. It is not YOLO. It's YOLT. Because no matter what you have done, whatever is broken in your life, whatever is sideways, whatever has been taken, whatever has been lost, God wants to give you new life through his son Jesus Christ and position you to live fully spiritually and at the same time to begin to reconcile and redeem and restore and heal what's been messed up in the physical world. That's the beauty of what the kingdom of God does when we submit our identity and our purpose to him. Look, we shared a, a story from one of the couples within our church family at Just One. And it's, it's such a powerful story that reflects the realities of this, how this stuff can get sideways, but as we submit to his lordship, he begins to transform and heal and restore. And it's so powerful, I want to share it with you now. So just sit back and check this out. I'm Jamie, and this is Adam. Hi, I'm Adam. <laughs> We've been together for... 12 years and married for almost five. Um, after I had Autumn, I felt really just um, confined and restricted and just tied down with having a new baby and all the responsibilities that went along with that. And um, I guess I started rebelling a little bit and you know, going out with my friends more often at night, going out to bars and hanging out and making poor decisions. I, you know, basically committed every sin against Adam that a person could, um, you know, cheated, lied, stole from him, and you just, I was at the bottom of, you know, our marriage, and, you know, we were on the verge of getting divorced, and it was just really hard for us. You know, I wasn't really focused on the marriage as much as I was just focused on me and Autumn, and as long as we were okay, I guess I just kind of overlooked Jamie and wasn't really seeing the, the signals or the writing on the wall, you know, for, for what was transpiring or going to transpire. A wedge just kept getting drove between us because he, if I, I was like, well, if he doesn't care, I'm not gonna care either. I'm just gonna go do what I wanna do. So we just kind of both did our own thing and shut down and yeah. We started going to Heritage probably about um, 10 months before all the stuff started happening in our marriage. So we'd go, but we would just be like, yeah, this is really cool. I like church a lot and you know, something fun to do and we like the people, um, but we weren't really too serious about it. We would just go casually and we enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't firmly rooted in my faith and at that time Jamie was was pretty, you know, committed. Kathy Brothers set us up with um, Tim and Robin Baldridge and totally changed my entire outlook. We were really nervous about meeting the couple because we are like, what if they're weird? <laughs> what if we don't, you know, what if we just don't click? And, um, but the first night we met them, it, like we just walked away and we were just like, yes, how could God have not sent these people to us to show us what his love really is? 
it was because of them that I felt like you know, our marriage was starting to heal. I could feel like the healing process. So now we're expecting baby number two. I thought we felt that we had somebody in our corner. There was other people fighting for us and with just us fighting individually against each other or us fighting for our marriage, I felt like the bulges and you know, as I'd soon find out, you know, Christ was fighting for us. That summer, last summer, um, I got baptized in the rock, and uh, it was quite an amazing experience. One I'm sure I'll never forget, and uh, just, I just feel like my heart's on fire for God. To make an impact on other people's lives, you know, really, it really brings joy to my heart. So we started serving at the church on the weekends and doing Awana um, and doing, you know, our home group. I have fallen in love with this church from day one that I started going here. We just received so much support from um, our home group, people that serve with us, and just friends that we make. We keep making so many friends and just everyone is so genu genuinely in care and compassion and I just want to be that person for someone that's coming to our church just to know that you know we love everyone and that it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've been through that God loves you no matter what. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you have done, how many times you have done it. He desires relationship with you. You may be struggling in your marriage. You may be struggling in your workplace with your family. You may be struggling with depression under the weight of your mistakes. But God loves you and he desires a relationship with you where he gives you new life spiritually reborn, and then he begins to do that healing and redemptive process in the things in the physical world as we live as a people who no longer live for ourselves. It's not YOLO. It's YOLT. As long as you are alive, grace is still an option. And you can step into new life under the lordship of Jesus and enter his kingdom and be someone who facilitates his kingdom as he heals and restores and redeems the things in your life that today aren't what they should be. Whose dream are you living? You know, I think we often try to self-determine what greatness looks like, what a life to the full should be. And we fill the gap in the middle and we draw the wrong conclusion, but, but his kingdom is different. Things work differently in his kingdom. He says that the first will be last and the last shall be first. He says to live is to die and to die is to live. In fact, in an interaction he had in John chapter 12, he said this, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. To truly live life to the full, we need to die. 
I'm not talking about that physical death that will come at some point for all of us. I'm talking about dying to self. We need to stop living for ourselves and start living for Him. And one of the most powerful aspects of of Jamie and Adam's testimony and their journey is that as they received new life in Jesus, they stopped living for themselves. They entered into the kingdom and they started living for Him, defined by who He was, doing what they're doing as a result of His kingdom. Who they are and what they do, defined by Him. And that, that, that journey is really one of a journey. It's more than a moment and it's a process for all of us. But when we get to that point... Like Adam and Jamie have. Well, now their life, their marriage, their story is positioned to bear much fruit. Because it's no longer about them, but about Him. Their identity is in Him, and what they're doing is an expression of His heart. And so they are crucified with Him, and they no longer live, but He lives in them. And the life they live, they no longer live for themselves, but they live by faith. And my friends, that's living the dream. That's living life to the full. Because if we're going to experience all of the realities of God's kingdom, in His kingdom, in God's kingdom, living requires dying. Living requires dying. It's dying to self. It's surrendering to Jesus Christ. It's finding forgiveness. It's receiving that gift of eternal life and then beginning to walk with God under the lordship of Jesus Christ where His purpose and His priority and His plan influence who we are and what we do. And I wonder today where you are at in that journey. I wonder what, what you need to do to truly live. What's your next step? For some of you, you're here. You are spiritually unresolved. And today is the day where you need to receive that new life in Jesus and submit to Him as Savior and Lord so that you can truly live loved and linked and sent. And you enter into the kingdom. For some of you, this is where you need to start. And it's a conversation with Jesus where you pray. And there's an example prayer on the back of your sermon note guide of this is where you're at. Because your identity is not yet clear. You're spiritually unresolved. But for some of you, it's this space here. Because you have not understood his kingdom, you've filled the gap. You've drawn the wrong conclusions and you've been chasing and living the wrong dream. And what you need to do is step back from what you thought was important and submit to his lordship and allow his kingdom to define what you do. But then I realize that there are some here today who he has already told you what to do. But for whatever reason, you just haven't done it. Either the risk is too great, the sacrifice is too great, you're, you're fearful in it, you're uncertain how it's going to work out, but he's told you what to do and you just haven't stepped in obedience. And so today, what he's asking of you is that you do what he's asking you to do as an expression of his heart and his kingdom and an expression of his lordship in your life. What do you need to do today to truly live? When we started this journey, we walked through three realities that I just want to cruise through real quick because they position us as we continue to understand what it looks like to live the dream. Just three things. The first is this, to know your identity. To know your identity. This is not just about what we want to be when we grow up, but really about who we are, who we were created to be. And if we're ever going to understand who we were created to be, we need to understand whose we are, who we belong to. If we're going to understand who we were created to be, we need to know who we belong to. 
And Jesus said this in Mark 8. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. This is the reality of that upside-down kingdom that Jesus speaks of. That by letting go, we receive. But it's not just letting go. We let go, but then we lay hold. We lay hold of God. We embrace His plan. As people who are saved, we enter into the kingdom, but we no longer live. We live for us. We live for Him. It's about Him, not us. It's about His kingdom and His purposes. And so as we know our identity, then we're positioned to do the second thing, which is to submit to His plan. We can actually submit to His plan. That means we align our hearts and our minds and our priorities and our finances to Him to the point that we can say what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. It's a shifting of priority. To submit to His plan raises His priority. It positions the kingdom to have priority in determining who we are and what we do. And the things that we once thought were valuable no longer are. Things that we have chased and pursued actually become things that we see they don't actually have value, but the things of his kingdom do, and they have eternal value. And that shift allows us from knowing our identity to submitting to his plan, it allows us to then step into the third piece, which is to live out your purpose. You have a purpose to live that out by pursuing his priority. This is the what piece of of who we are and what we do in life. And Jesus was sitting around with his disciples one day and he said this to them. He said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now that last section, those last three words, servant of all, seem like a really tall order. But even last week as we looked at Matthew 25, we saw the principle that what we do for others, we do for Jesus. And what we don't do for others, we don't do for Jesus. And there's huge implications for that. And Jesus laid out some of the basic expressions of what serving all looks like when he said, look, you got to feed the hungry. You got to give drink to the thirsty. You need to clothe the naked. You need to care for the stranger and the sick and those who are imprisoned. When he identified those things, he set them as the basic expressions for us in what we do as we live out the kingdom. And he's calling us to be a people who live out that purpose. And that whole thing starts at the top and works its way down. It is not bottom up. It is not our doing that leads to who we are, doing to being. It is our being that leads to doing. If we start here, our investments only are rooted in humanitarian aid and compassion. And we may think that we can earn some kind of credibility to enter into his kingdom and then in turn to become something, but that's not how it works. It starts here as we surrender to his lordship in our lives and as we... And he, He gives us new life spiritually. And then into his lordship, we enter that kingdom. And out of that kingdom, we do what he wants us to do. Look, you are still here in this life. And therefore, you have a next step. God's not done with you yet. It may be you need to reconcile spiritually who you are in him. Or maybe you need to get a better understanding of what his kingdom is all about. And we're going to continue to unpack that as we go through the Living the Dream series. But maybe for some of you, you haven't done what you should have done or you've done what you shouldn't have. And you need God to redeem and restore and reconcile so that you can live fully into all that he has for you. When we start to live that way, we get to the point where we no longer wonder who we're going to be when we grow up because we actually know It's defined, our identity is defined by him. We live in the context of his kingdom. 
and we live out his kingdom for his glory. And that's where things we never thought possible can happen. That's where lives are changed and communities are changed. And so as we step now into a time of worship, I want to approach the throne of God with you. I want to pray, but I want to invite you to have your own conversation with him about where you're at in this journey. You have a next step. My challenge for you is that you take it. You step fully into who you are and what he wants you to do as an expression of his heart and his priorities, his kingdom in this life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to spend a few moments looking at what your son Jesus taught. I thank you for his words. I thank you for his example. And I thank you that through him we can have new life. We can be reborn. We can see the kingdom of God. And in turn, we can live out that kingdom even now as we care for the least and the last and the lost. And Lord, I pray for those who are here today who have who've not yet reconciled with where they stand with you. They're spiritually unresolved and maybe they're having a conversation even now with you, but I pray you would, you would whisper your love to them, that you would show them how you see them and what you want them to be in this life so that we can all step into your kingdom and live in light of that. And for those of us here who, who are already part of your family living in that kingdom, may we truly live out that kingdom in what we do. May we step boldly. May we risk for you. May we live your dream. May we be a people who bring you honor and glory, not just in the fact that we are believing in you and we have salvation in your son, but that we are living out your kingdom, giving ourselves away for your glory. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this time. I pray these things in the name of your son and the name of our Savior, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.